And hello, audio chokers. Welcome to the audio choke. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's good stuff. Here at MMATorch.com, thank you in advance for downloading us on iTunes. Thank you in advance for leaving a comment and going to the uh, MMA Torch forum and starting up a conversation. As always, I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. You know, Matt, I'm not sure that this is a advanced thank you to these people because by the time they've heard us, They've already been doing the downloading. They've already wow. listened to us. For the next time. Yeah, I was gonna. I was also going to question your tense usage, but uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> what do you mean? It, it's not that bad, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Go! You've angered me <laughs> to such an extent with your poor grammar. <laughs> Ultimate Fighter season finale. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, it did. Uh, my DVR was a little wonky, so I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I, I started watching uh, about 30 seconds before Chris Lieben beat Aaron Simpson. So, I mean, that was good enough to start on for me, at least for the show, because I got to see uh, a, a TKO stoppage. Always fun. Yeah. Or I guess a, I don't know, actually, when it went down the books as, yeah, it was a, it was a rough stoppage. He didn't get, like, knocked out cold. Kind of like, you know, took a few hits, stumbled across the ring and fell over, and the ref was like, and you're done. <laughs> and time. Good job. But uh, Those are some fun knockouts anyway, though. Yeah, and Aaron Simpson was a little upset about it, but uh, oh. I think it was a justified stoppage. I mean, Yeah, you know, people can yeah. get upset about that kind of thing sometimes. Uh, it, it reminds me of uh, the time that Nick Diaz fought Robbie Lawler, and he, he kind of knocked him out with a, a jab-looking punch. And Robbie Lawler fell down, gets up, falls down again, gets up, falls down again. You know, looked like he was still ready to go, but it's like you fall down three times to one punch, fight's over. And yeah. it sounds like this, you know, not three times, but any time you're knocked that loopy and, you know, you fall down eventually, it can be uh, it can be stopped. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think when we were talking about previewing the show last, on our last podcast, I was I picked, I think I did pick Aaron Simpson because I couldn't think of anything that Chris Lieben had to offer that uh, Tom Lawler didn't, mm-hmm. and Tom Lawler uh, lost to Aaron Simpson. So, uh, But apparently it is, um, you know, durability, and he punches harder is what Chris Lieben yes. has to offer. He does so. have punches, and they are yeah. pretty hard. He doesn't yeah. always hit people with them, which is why he loses a lot, yeah. but he does punch really hard. He's got that going yeah, and from what I saw in recaps and read and everything, it sounds like the first round of that fight uh, was um, kind of what I expected. Uh, Aaron Simpson got a takedown pretty early on in the fight, and uh, he got hit Chris Lee with a few good shots. Uh, but it sounds like you know it was a, a bit of a gas tank issue, and Chris Lee was able to connect in the second round with his uh, his, his heavy hands and uh, put Aaron Simpson down. Yeah, well, Lehman can take him too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot of times that he's been stopped. The only one that really comes to mind is Anderson Silva, who I mean, rightfully destroyed Chris Lehman and made him look like a complete fool. But, you know, he does that to a lot of people. Walking directly into Anderson Silva's punches isn't a good strategy? Well, no, yeah, yeah. That, that didn't work out too well for Lehman. And looking back on that, Lehman actually sustained a, a significant amount of damage before he went out. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, looking at his uh, Sherdog Fight Finder record, um, I think that's his only TKO or KO loss was uh, at Anderson Silva. So, not bad. Um yeah, and I was kind of impressed with uh, Lieben's been really uneven. I mean, he's been around for a while, and he's had all kinds of personal issues that have been pretty well documented. Uh, you know, went to jail, got popped mm-hmm. for uh, some drugs, all that, all, all the good stuff. But, uh, you know, just his post-fight interview and everything, he seemed to 
Ellie seemed to be a lot more mature in his uh, his outlook and everything like that. So yeah. well, he's sober now too. Yeah, that always uh, definitely definitely helps. So be interested to see where uh, where he goes from here. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be mentioned as any type of contender. But uh, he's 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 a fun guy to watch for sure, yeah. especially when he can put it together like he did against Aaron Simpson. So. He brings fun fights, and he'll always be a good gatekeeper type of guy. I mean, if he can put together a significant run, then maybe you know put him in the title contention. But and I don't know how old he is. He's been around for a long time though. But uh, I wouldn't imagine he's really got a whole lot of time in terms of uh, really climbing up the ladder and making a significant run, especially as long as Anderson Silva is around. At the the internet had. says he's right around 30 years old. 30? Oh, yeah. okay. Isn't that? That's isn't, not too old. But yeah, I mean, he he would have to get a lot of wins together. Yeah. So uh, he, he's a good gatekeeper, and he's always fun to have, and he's. Season one of The Ultimate Fighter, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon, even if he lost a few. Right. And on that note, as uh, we mentioned, uh, Kenny Florian was filling in for Joe Rogan on color commentary duties. And Doing he, a good job. Yeah, and Kenny Florian, back-to-back nights, him and Bruce Buffer both, and I guess a bunch of other Zufa guys, obviously, but you know they did the Ultimate Fighter finale Saturday, and then the WEC card the next night. So they were, uh, was it Vegas to Canada, overnight flight Ooh. or something like that? Yeah, but uh, it was kind of funny because Kenny Florian and Chris Lieben fought uh, season one of The Ultimate Fighter, so he did the post-fight interview with them. It was kind of nice, funny. They had an interesting uh, back and forth. And nothing like they worked like in each other's faces or anything like that, but there was a, that familiarity there, and Kenny joked around. was like, yeah, I know how hard you can hit. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I gave you that big old scar on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, of the fights I saw, again, uh, Matt Hamill versus Keith Jardine, that that was a pretty interesting fight. Um, what do you mean by interesting? Um, <laughs> interesting in that uh, Keith Jardine looked pretty good the first round until he got punched a few times directly in the face and started bleeding everywhere later on in the fight. That also, was interesting. Also interesting is that Matt Hamill fought, fought with a staph infection. Mm. Yeah, uh, what's up with that? So how'd that uh, come about? Uh, do, you, do you want me to... Mm. Well, I want you to go into it, that's all. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put you in a corner saying like, you know, whatever you're going to say, I'm not leading you into, like, you're wrong, you know. But you brought up a really good point uh, earlier today about, you know, he fought with a staph infection. Yeah, if you he, guys, yeah, anyone who saw the fight might have noticed on the, the back of Matt Hamill's, uh, the, his lower back, um, he he had a bit of a, a little round red mark there, and it turns out it was part of a staph infection. Snap. Which, um, again, I'm not a doctor or part of any athletic commission, but I kind of thought that was, like, the job of the Athletic Commission to, like, check, like, hey, do you have anything that, say, you could give to other fighters while during this fight that could potentially uh, be a debilitating slash lethal uh, sort of disease, anything like that? And I think staff uh, actually, you know, kind of counts in that. Is in that category, yeah. Well, well I've heard you of know. fighters having staff uh, during some fights in the past uh Although it usually comes out as like an excuse for a loss, like oh yeah, I had right. staph infection. So sometimes you may question the legitimacy. Uh, a couple that popped to mind: Diego Sanchez when he fought Josh Koscheck yeah. and uh, Nogueira uh, in, in both, I think, of his UFC losses, mm-hmm. supposedly has staph infection. So and it's not completely unheard of. Right. It's just really weird because this was really obvious. Uh, I think. You know, and sometimes it's like, oh, this guy was battling staff before the fight, blah 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 blah. But it just seemed really weird. And again, like I'm not, like I'm not in on you know how how the athletic commissions go about, but that that seemed like really odd. I mean, he had like a noticeable noticeable lesion on his back, and you know, it could have been getting, I don't know, 
staff juice everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another fight on after there, so not only you know could he possibly you know infected Keith Jardine or you know the ref there, they they had other fights you know the main event after that. So it was just kind of kind of odd. And again, like who knows? But uh, that was not the most uh, upsetting thing about the athletic commission I heard from over the weekend. Um, for Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh-oh. Yeah, th- this one is also fun. It, it involves, uh, we- we've talked on the show before about, uh, ha- hey, wouldn't it be cool if the uh, the judges had monitors, right? That'd be pretty nifty. Yeah, it would. Uh, they had monitors at the Ultimate Fighter finale oh, th- this, uh, this weekend. And uh, Keith Kaiser with the Nevada State Athletic Commission unplugged them. Oh, oh snap. Before. Why would he do such a thing? <laughs> That is an excellent question. <laughs> Why would he do such a thing? Yeah. He um, doesn't want to rock the boat. He wants to keep things exactly the way they were. He doesn't want to kowtow to Internet fanboy demands. The boat has been rocked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, MMA Junkie uh, has has a story up on it. They actually got to talk to Keith Kaiser. And, uh, yeah, it started, you know, there was reports coming out Saturday that, like, hey, they, there's monitors at the judges' stations. Awesome. Hooray. Everyone's excited. And then, yeah, Keith Kaiser's like, nope, I unplugged them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he told MMAJunkie.com uh, that uh, they're not really sure how those monitors got there. Apparently it was, like, part of the production crew or someone with the, the production on the production side of things for, like, Spike TV. The UFC didn't necessarily know why they were there, um, uh, like a production company thing. But, um, yeah, so that that's weird, and I'm trying to pull up the exact quote uh, okay, one of them was this quote Keith Kaiser gave to MMA Junkie was, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when we passed MMA legislation in 2001, we required at least two big monitors for both the fans and the judges. So um, that's that's great. So the, the judges already have monitors. They're the Jumbotron that you can look up at that during a, during a fight. So Which is often directly <laughs> above them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Interesting. Which, you know, I'm glad they have screens that, first of all, so fans can see the event. Because if you've ever been to a live fight event, you're usually going to end up watching, like, the big screen, the Jumbotron, yeah. whatever it is. He, he just doesn't want to, you know, be be called wrong, I guess. Like, you know, when we wrote these rules nine years ago, we already have this in place. That, that's really kind of what it came across in, in this interview they did with them. Um, you know, uh, part of it was like, I don't want to have monitors right there in their stations, at least for right now. Uh, not saying he'd never be for it. But, uh, you know, again, the monitors they already have, like, in, in the in the events, at the events are good enough. Um, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Yeah. Uh, and it ended with basically, like, you know, uh, not saying we won't use them one day, but right now we don't really see a need for them, which uh, th- th- there is a need for them. And it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't understand the logic on this one. I mean, I understand being stingy. Not wanting to buy some monitors, but if they're already there, freaking sweet, you know, use those things. Yeah, it was uh, it was really bizarre. So it was maybe like a um, a, a, an assistant or something that works for Spike or at the arena, you know, and he's a big fan, anyways, and uh, wanted to test the waters out. A hey, bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Rogan snuck him over there. Yeah, he's, he's been pretty outspoken about it. He has been, and, and he can afford him. It'd be one thing, the thing that really struck me as odd is, like, uh, certainly it would be weird if you'd be like, hey, where'd these monitors come from, that sort of thing, but, like, it just, like, seems really indicative of, like, how slow some of the athletic commissions have come to, like, kind of fix certain issues with judging, that sort of thing, and that, like, one of the the athletic commission guys literally unplugged monitors that are already set up and ready to go. Like, it'd be one thing if they're like, 
Oh no, we don't have monitors yet. We're working on it. Maybe maybe in a few years we'll we'll take a look at it. But they were there and yeah, ready to go. It was oh, it's so bizarre. So uh, I don't know what happened with that. Hopefully this will uh, you know move us closer to getting getting monitors for judges that sort of thing. Looks like it's getting there. So congratulations to Matt Hamill. Yeah. And uh, Keith Jardine, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, he had staff, he had a broken hand, apparently. And got poked still, in the eye. Got poked in the eye, and he still uh, still beat Keith Jardine. I guess he had a pretty funny quote at the post-fight press conference, saying, he's like, man, after I got poked in the eye, I was kind of concerned about being, you know, blind, blind and deaf. So, uh, how, uh-huh. how many more, how many more <laughs> disabilities can I get, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We start calling him Tommy, the pinball wizard. Right, right, right. Okay, Nicole, I thought I could be blind and deaf. It was too many handicaps, but I'm not giving, not going to give up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for him. Yeah, it's nice to know he has a sense of humor about that. And uh, Absolutely. I don't know if you saw, I was too busy focused on the giant lesion on his back, but apparently right be- below that was on his shorts. Uh, he He's getting his own movie. He's getting a movie? Yeah. Really? Inspirational movie. Oh, like a movie about him. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's he a won't biopic, be a star. huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, starring um, not him, but Rich Fra- Rich Franklin will be in it. <laughs> yeah. Will Rich Franklin play him? Or- <laughs> <laughs> Rich Franklin is Matt Hamill, the Matt Hamill story. I think he's playing like his wrestling coach or something. Like that. So yeah, it's one of those inspirational sports stories. Um, so that 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 was fun. Um, I guess we should talk more about the fights. And, and then he went on to beat Keith Jardine. <laughs> 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 In his defense, it might have something to do with his outstanding wrestling career. But uh by decision. <laughs> oh, good for him. No, I'm sure he'll be a real tearjerker. <laughs> How about that Court McGee, huh? So, so where do people send the hate mail? Come <laughs> on. I mean, how do people contact our show? Is what I meant. <laughs> Different. Leave a leave a comment. Yeah. And of course, yeah, as you mentioned, how about that Court McGee in the final of the Ultimate Fighter season 800? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 801, he, the guy that had, well, those were crazy times back then. Man, what a great story, though, right? And I'm sure everyone else is saying that, too, but that's that's pretty nifty to be like, you know, almost dead, drug addiction, and then turn, turn your life around and, you know, end up getting a contract with the UFC. He choked out uh, Chris McRae, uh, second round rear, rear naked choke, and... Um, yeah, he really made uh, Chris McRae look pretty bad at times. He was able to take him down at multiple times, and you know it, it was a good back and forth first round. But the second round, it really just became apparent. It was like, oh, he's just—it's just a matter of time at this point mm-hmm. before you know he he does something, gets Chris McRae caught in something. So, um, you know, and who's to say? It's hard to say at this point with the middleweight division the way it is. You know, where where Court McGee could go, but uh, it was it was a good start, uh, impressive, I think, and um, you know he's got beard power, so. He does. Who knows how far he can get? So now, where his where's his movie? That's all kinds of inspiration yeah, right so. there. I think so. Maybe maybe him and Lyle Beerbomb get like a buddy cop film. It's <laughs> like semi autobiographical. Yeah. And we can Not have Chris McRae in it. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, um, again, those are the main fights I saw. Um, I'm sure plenty of people will be happy to hear that Jamie Yeager lost. Yeah, by uh, knockout. Yeah, TKO punches, second round to Rich Antonio. So what's Antonio. up? He can he can dish it out, but can't take it. Apparently, apparently. But uh, you know, I was kind of one would think the throw would help. It did not. But uh, I, and the fight, from what I hear, and I, I did see, I kind of like the replays towards the end of the show and everything. Uh, kind of played out as I kind of thought it might, where you know Jamie Yeager came in. Throwing those kind of you know explosive and like ooh look at me you know the 
Uh, yeah, really flashy stuff. Yeah, the flashy stuff, uh, you know, uh, but then it sounds like he just kind of gassed out, and then uh, Antonito really put it on him after that and pounded him out. So uh, Dennis, uh, uh, Dennis Seaver took a uh, unanimous decision over Spencer Fisher um, as well, which um, I, don't, I don't know what, what to make of that. I mean... Spencer Fisher kind of, you know, has got some of those highlight reel, uh, you know, knockouts and stuff and does the cool kung fu poses, but I don't know if he And he, he was... does the Ric Flair walk. Oh, that's true. That's true. So he had a lot he had a lot going behind him, but uh, I guess in his last couple outings he just hasn't hasn't been able to put it together and Dennis Seaver's always always fun to watch with some uh, pretty uh interesting kicks. He's got the spinning back kick of doom. Yeah, always always fun, but uh it was pretty good, good scrap from what I, from what I was able to pick up and everything like that. But yeah, I mean that's that's two in a row for uh, Spencer Fisher now. I mean, is it? Yeah, his loss before this was uh, Joe Stevenson, which again, not mm. anything. That's that's not yeah. like you know embarrassing or anything like that. I mean, he's, Joe Stevenson's pretty solid. But uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't I don't think two in a row is like enough to like be worried about like employment. Yeah. But, I think they're going to keep him around. He's had enough fight of the night yeah. uh, battles. He's one of those guys kind of like um, uh, Chris Lytle, who mm. is more exciting and entertaining of a fighter than good, you could say. Um, I mean, they're both outstanding fighters, but uh, they both you know, really play to being exciting. And, uh, you know, you can win a few and then, you know, drop a few and still be employed if you have that kind of style. Yeah, and Spencer Fisher, Fisher just kind of looking at his record seems to be the guy. You know, he'll he'll get a few solid wins, then when he gets up to like kind of a higher level of competition, you know, drops 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 one to like Frankie Edgar or Hermes Franca back in '07, that sort of thing. So, but yeah, no, he's definitely a fun guy to watch fight, and uh, same could be said for Dennis Seaver. Um, but again, I'm not sure what, like his potential at this point is either. But um. We'll see. I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of the point, point of the fight night cards. You get to see some fun fights, not necessarily all the time meaningful fights, but, uh, you know, hopefully they put together a card that is uh, entertaining and involves lots of spinning kung fu back kicks mm-hmm. and stuff. And mm-hmm. it was free, and, you know, it was good. Yeah. Uh, other than that, not a lot that I took away, you know, from from the card results-wise. Um, just kind of looking at it, you know, a couple of the uh, guys from Tough got, got wins, Kyle Noak over Josh Bryant and Brad Tavares over uh, Seth Zinski. But, um, I, I don't know. Nothing really. Nothing else really stuck out to me. Like it was a from the fights I saw, it was, it was pretty solid. Some, uh, yeah, it said the stuff with Keith Jardine and Matt Hamlin was kind of kind of weird, but uh, nothing uh, too crazy considering the fact that you know, aside from the fact that Matt Hamill had, you know, staff. Mm-hmm. One, I, thing, one oh. thing that sticks out to me is the first fight of the night. James McSweeney lost in uh, four and a half minutes. He was one of these. Uh, Semi-finalists from season ten of the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, the heavyweight season. I, I did see that because they, they showed that at the end after the main event. Yeah, he got a uh, he got beat up pretty bad. Uh, had some pretty had a pretty nasty cut. And I guess I just saw that he was looking to appeal the the loss because yeah, some elbows he, to the back of the head. Yeah, they're making the content his camp's making the contention that he got hit in the back of the head. I mean that's where one of the, the bad cuts was coming from was like the side back area of his head. Uh, but yeah, he dropped one to Travis Brown and. Um, yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting. That's uh, a guy that I am not really very familiar with, and usually, uh, usually the the UFC likes to kind of build up guys who at least make it pretty far in the Ultimate Fighter. So yeah, and you know, I, I don't know much about Travis Brown either. I think this was his uh, UFC debut, 
Um, and he came out pretty aggressive against McSweeney. Uh, McSweeney was working the leg kicks and stuff. But, I mean, um, I don't know. McSweeney looked – he didn't look horrible. I mean, he did lose. But uh, he just didn't look like he had any, anything much to offer. Uh, you know, he did have some pretty, again, aggressive or, uh, you know, sick-looking leg kicks. But besides that, he kind of looked, I don't know, small. For And I don't know if that's just a result of, uh, you know, uh, Travis Brown being – a large man. Oh yeah, he's six foot seven. So that, that'll do it. That, that's probably that probably did it. But yeah, McSweeney did seem kind of like one of the smaller guys on that season of the Ultimate Fighter, though. So right. I, mean, I couldn't tell you what he weighs, but he might be one of those kind of guys that could make the cut down to two hundred five. But then again, you know, he doesn't really seem like he's necessarily super well rounded either. He trains out of Greg Jackson's camp, I believe. But um, yeah, yeah he just did not look comfortable on the ground at all once he did get yeah. down and everything. So. Well, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. It's always hard to say. You know, it's one thing. You're like, oh, is this guy going to be around in the UFC for a little bit longer? It's always it's always kind of a different set of rules when it comes to Ultimate Fighter guys. I mean, especially like season one, as we mentioned with Chris Lieben, like he's not going anywhere ever. I don't think, you know, same thing with like Stefan Bonner, those type of guys, no matter how they win or lose. Um, but, you know, certainly with guys from the later seasons, they, they do stick around for a bit. But, you know, after a few losses, they'll get cut, too. Uh, I think this was McSweeney's first loss in the UFC. So yeah, well, I think it's his only fight that he's had outside of uh, when he fought Titties on the the finale. <laughs> over, yeah. <laughs> um. All right, going to a great night of fights for the WEC. Yes, I I think I was about to say something else, but then I lost it. Oh, uh, Keith Jardine's probably probably good for a job too, even though he lost again. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he at least he didn't get knocked out. Yeah. Um. Part of that might have had to do with Matt Hamill breaking his left hand. A little but, uh, bit. But I did see Matt Hamill was throwing the left a bit before then. And, yeah, I mean, he threading got a pretty nasty cut. But uh, I, I think I'll, he'll bounce back I, again, I don't think. Someone, he's, he's still got, you know, a bit of name value. And, again, you know, early season of the Ultimate Fighter. But he, he's also got some pretty big wins, even though, uh, Recently you know. Recently hasn't been great, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah Forrest Griffin and uh, Chuck. Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Even Brandon Vera is a pretty decent win yeah. too. And this is this is beating Chuck Liddell before everyone started beating Chuck Liddell. So well, it was after Rampage beat him, but it was before the the three consecutive knockout streak had begun. Yeah. So, um, and I did get to check out. You mentioned Matt WEC. That was uh, I think we talked about it last week. You know, I was like, there's not a there's a few you know recognizable fighters on this card for kind of like casual fans, but uh, not like your Uriah Faber's or. Uh, Miguel Torres, anyone like that, but I mean, it was a pretty solid night of fights, um, despite a main event that ended oddly. It, yeah, uh, with a little bit of controversy, which could be maybe the best thing that could have happened for the WEC. Yeah, get 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 the get the uh, name out there more. I mean, you know, controversy, you, the WEC name is going to be out there a bit bit more. Uh, certainly, of course, you know, hardcore fans are following, but uh, you know. With all this MMA that's going on, it's easy for like, hey, this event's over. What's next? You know, yeah. and, and with that, this coming out of it, I mean, helps it stick yeah. out of the the, the yeah. shuffle, you know. Right, but uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about, the main event between Jamie Varner and Kamel, the Prince of Persia, Charlerus, ended in a draw. <gasps> oh! Bum, bum, bum. And then that's the Charlerus's second draw. Is it? I did not. Uh, I did not know that. <laughs> but go on. That's crazy. Yeah, um, I was watching it, and uh, I'll be honest, I was watching the fights on DVR like. One, two in the morning, so I might have fallen asleep a few times. But uh, I did see the main event, and it was weird um, because the draw went, um, you know, one judge had it for um, Jamie Varner, one judge had it for Charlotte Roos, and one judge actually had it a draw. And yeah. um, 
I don't think you can make the argument that Celarus won the fight. So that, that it's one of those things where you look at the decision, you're like, okay, that's I don't see how this guy got to that point where he made that decision. But uh, especially considering Salarus, uh got deducted a point for repeated kicks to the groin on Jamie Varner in the second round, um, it was it was not a, not a great night for Jamie, Var- Jamie Varner's um, man parts. His M and M's. Yeah, and uh, he actually took another shot or two, I think, in the the third round, and Salarus did not get a point deduction there, which seems odd. Yeah, I would think that you know you get the warning, you get the point deduction. Going back to a warning seems like a weird. Uh, move. You'd almost want to start moving towards disqualification. Yeah, so that was that was a bit bizarre. But uh, before that, it was a really fun fight. I mean, um, I, I think Varner, you know, won the fight. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he helped that. You know, Salarus lost a point, but uh, you know, Varner was really able to string together some pretty solid uh, combos on Salarus, and um, you know, had him wobbly a few times. But uh, Salarus really recovered well. Uh, it, was, it was really fun watching because he'd take a few shots and get wobbly and, you know, kind of fight off or push off and then, you know, get his bearings again and then be like, yeah, and, you know, get his, wave his hands and be like, come on, let's go. And yeah. that really got the crowd into it, which is cool. always fun. But, yeah, and I guess Jamie Varner had some quote after the fight. Uh, apparently it was like, you know what, he's he's one of the toughest guys I've had. you got to have a lot of respect for that guy. So it, it was really, really fun because a lot of times when a guy gets wobbly, you're like, okay, it's, it's over. It's coming soon, any minute now. And he'd just he'd, yeah. he'd hang in there. So. Uh, I didn't see the fight. I just uh, read the play-by-play, but yeah. it, it sounded like Shalrus was being the aggressor in the fight. He was taking the center, the sta- uh, octagon, always being the guy coming forward. Could you perhaps see the fight being given to him for octagon control, aggression, stuff like that? Yeah, perhaps. And I know, I know in the third round, which I was fading at that point from uh, consciousness, but uh, I know he was able to get some takedowns and stuff such there. Um, so yeah, I mean. Chalarus definitely um, won that last round. But um, I guess the thing there is, you know, he wouldn't have won that last round had he gotten a point deduction again for a groin kick in the third round. So That's true. That would have made it a 9-9 a nine, nine round. Yeah, but um, even, even still, if you've got, uh, you know, the last round for Chalarus and then, uh, you know, the first round for Varner and then the second round either a draw or, uh, or Varner, which I think most people did, would have had it for Varner in that second round. So it was just really weird, but um, no, definitely. Uh, the, I think the the solution here, you know, whether you think it's a judge's thing or just like an unsatisfying ending because the fighters didn't, you know, have a complete finish, you know, give them an immediate rematch. Um, I, that'd be something I'd like to see. Yeah, and certainly in, in cases like this, you know, I'm a big fan of the do-over. Yeah, well, I think this is a uh, great argument towards uh, Keith Kaiser to get some damn monitors in there. Well, this was in Canada, so this is uh, this was this was different. But yeah, certainly as a whole, yeah, uh, monitors definitely definitely would help. Um, yeah, this was the WEC's debut in in Canada, which seemed uh, fun. And I did not know Eve Levine, uh, the the ref, could uh, he was busting out the bilingual skills. Oh snap! He's and, uh, French also. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know I should be more stereotypical and assume with a guy uh, a name like Eve Levine that he's probably he's probably foreign. But uh, I just didn't, never crossed my mind, and he was giving out cage instructions in uh, in, in in two languages. Oh, pretty, nice. pretty impressive. I yeah. believe Eve's Edwards is from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, speaking of Eve's, there was a Eve's Jabuin on the card. I always mess up his last name, but uh, him and Mark Hominick put on a pretty uh, pretty fun fight. I hear it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
Goodness gracious. It was, it was back and forth. Again, I, I have to apologize for me trying to recall certain instances from the fight just because of my uh, my state of consciousness at the time. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a great back and forth, a good pace. And there was a few times you just lo- watching the fight and you're like, okay, it's over. It's going to be over. Any- nope. Okay, no, he's still there. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a couple comeback attempts and all that. And it was, uh, yeah, it was really crazy. There's like some spinning back elbows at times. But, uh, yeah, uh, Hamanek uh, took it in uh, the second round. Submission. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, strikes. TKO punches. TKO punches, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it was tab up from strikes or uh, or what. But, uh, yeah, it was, no, TKO, you're right. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a crazy night of fights. The other one that stuck out to me was a Chris Hordecki, or Hordeski, depending on how you like to pronounce the, uh, the CK at the end of his name there. But uh, he was taking on a late replacement. So um, it's it's hard to say what to glean from his win there, um, but he beat uh, Daniel Downs, and this was really like several days' notice replacement. Um, but uh, he was really beating him up with strikes throughout the entire entire match, and then you know got him in a submission in in round three, early on in round three. And again, he looked really impressive. But what can you take away from beating a guy on three days' notice? Yeah, and he's not really a guy that I'm very familiar with either. I mean, he he might be uh, might be pretty decent. I don't know, but. Yeah, yeah, so uh, not a lot known about Daniel Downs, but a uh, nice rebound fight, at least for Chris Hordeski. Um, I'm just going to say his na- alternate saying his name, Hordeki and Hordeski. So that way every I, other time? That way, I, that way I cover it, you know, in case people are like, it's Hordeki, and other people are like, it's Hordeski. You'll be right half the time. I'll be right That's half good. the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Al-Qaeda and Al-Qaeda. Yeah. No, I roll. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just what he's like. It's pretty much the same thing. I did not say that at all. You're... Tomato, tomato would have yeah. also worked. <laughs> envelope, envelope. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to call him a terrorist. Yeah. I, I'm not calling anybody a terrorist. Just saying it's... Just because it Fedor cheats on his wife. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Bring that back. Nice callback. <laughs> Aluminum, aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Eco, f- Echo. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so Josh Grisby choked out L.C. Davis also, uh, which was cool, which was pretty awesome because L.C. Uh, Davis got like a monster takedown, and it was like, oh, Whoa. crazy. Oh, wait, he's in a choke, and he's asleep. Okay. Yeah. Josh Grisby won. Is, so. is Josh Grisby uh, that guy, the, the fluke? I think he yeah. is. Yeah, what a great nickname. He he seems to win all of his fights in, in that manner. I, I remember when he was fighting uh, Jens Pulver, and he was talking about, like, yeah, they call me the flute because all my fights, you know, they look like I'm lucky, but, you know, that's just what I do. And uh, he and Pulver were scrambling, and then Pulver gets up and turns around and to, to walk away. And while he's facing the other way, he's like, I'm going to jump on his back and choke. That's, that's a legitimate strategy. I like that. Um, and, yeah, that was the last time... Um, Josh Grisby fought, actually. That was back in literally a year ago. Um, hmm. wonder where he's been. I think he had an injury, I believe. Um, I can't substantiate that, but I'm, <laughs> that's, that's what I think I heard on the broadcast. And I just assume when a guy's off for like a year, uh, injury. Playing video games. Right. He was just he was taking a nap. I don't know. But uh, no, it was good, good to see him back. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, he's he's a young guy. He's got a lot of potential. I mean, beating Jens Pulver this you know within the last couple of years isn't like a huge like be like oh he beat Jens Pulver Pulver he's a contender. But that's like it's good to have like a name on on, yeah, on your list of, uh, yeah. of victories. And and he won in impressive fashion this this time and definitely lived up to the name the fluke. Not to say that it you know obviously was not a fluke. There's skill involved, but uh just just the tide the the tide of the fight you know it's like oh Elsie Davis 
Got a big takedown. Looks like he's going to do... Oh, he's falling asleep. Okay. And, and he, he went out. There was no tap. Yeah, oh, cool. Was, uh, Clearly, that's his style. I mean, yeah. it's what Grisby does. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. Other than that, um, not a lot stuck out to me on the card. It was a very solid night of fights. Uh, you know, we had Eddie Wineland uh, beat Will Campanzano. Uh, KO punch to the body. Woo! Which is always fun to see. That is fun. Yeah, none of this head stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Body punch. Do you think he used like a five-finger death? Punch? punch? I no. doubt it. I don't understand. Yeah, he's alive, isn't he? You literally cannot punch with five fingers. No, I think it's like, it, you know, they just, this is a band we're talking about, and, you know, and legitimacy, <laughs> a, a pretty yeah. bad band, you know. <laughs> and, and I think it comes from, like, five pressure points right, right. on the heart, or, you know, some, some sort of thing that... Uh, Kung Fu movies have been doing since the 70s, and they're like, hey, we like to watch these movies sometimes. Let's just get the whole concept of the move wrong and name our band that. Yeah. Hey, careful trash and rock bands. I mean, we're talking about MMA. We all know fans just oh, love no, their yeah, death oh, yeah. metal and uh, <laughs> Nickelback and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not insulting all the all the good bad bands that uh, most <laughs> martial arts fans like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I didn't have a lot of deep thoughts uh, aside from kind of the main event. I mean, that was really where a lot of the... And I, I guess that's kind of the problem when you have a main event that ends in controversy is a lot of the other car, the, the undercard or the rest of the fights kind of... You know, I didn't, I didn't forget about them. I remember, you know, like, that was a fun fight to watch really well, you know, high pace as we come to expect from the WEC at this point. But it point. narrows the focus Right, it was like, oh, whatever kind of thoughts, you know, like in-depth, insightful thoughts I might have had, might have been in quotes, of course, because maybe I didn't at all. Um, about some of the other fights, just went out the window after the you know multiple nut shots to Jamie Varner from Kamal Shalrus and mm-hmm. ended in a draw and yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. So, well, cool. Well, uh, what else is going on out there? Well, uh, it was a week ago, so I don't want to go into like a full review or anything like that. But we did have that Strike Force card at E3, and mm. that was that was a fun card to watch. It was uh, you know just four fights, I believe. It was it was well paced, and they were playing to a different audience because they were you know live or you know live at E3. Uh, you know, talking to a bunch of, you know, game gaming journalists, that sort of thing, and, you know, people in the area. So the, even the way, like, the broadcasters kind of presented it, they were, they were talking to the crowd a lot more, which is actually kind of fun. Huh. And they, as opposed to just, like, you know, talking to the camera, a lot of that stuff was directed, you know, uh, towards the crowd as well, which was interesting. And, and seeing it in the Nokia Theater, which is not like a stadium-type thing, it's more like a concert venue, was kind of nifty. I mean, the setup was just a little different. So it had a different, uh, you know, flair to it. But, I mean, just the fights overall were all really... Uh, How long was it? Uh, it was about two hours. Two hours, four fights? That it's, yeah. th- it's not dragged out a little much? No. Nah, and they did their usual thing where they went off air yeah. 20 minutes early or so instead of showing any prelims. Right. I don't even know, did they even have prelims? There was, like, show? two prelims. Oh, okay. Right, which is, uh, you know, we... we I, I kind of feel, get, get tired of complaining about Strikeforce not airing pre- prelims, so... Uh, just it's implied at this point. Yeah, we we've stated we've said our piece. And right, and in this case you can almost make the excuse because it was more like a uh, a showcase for uh, for MMA to go in in you know uh, that synergy with the EA MMA video game teamwork. Yeah, <laughs> that's what synergy means. <laughs> Working yeah. together. Yes. Um, a really good audience though I hear. It's you know people fans that aren't as jaded or just is right. used to the uh, to a mixed martial arts fight. Yeah, know? they get jazzed up a lot with head kicks and, like, spinning back fists, even when they don't land. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, like, there's a couple head kicks thrown that were clearly blocked, and the crowd's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's fine, because the, the, just having that atmosphere is kind of fun, where you get the crowd cheering for stuff that, yeah, typical kind of more, you know, steady or hardcore MMA fans are just like, oh, yeah, whatever. 
or you know, we we've seen it, we're used to it, so there's not that kind of sense of excitement. Any yeah. extra looks at the video game? Um, not necessarily, not during the Showtime event, I don't think. Uh, just in general, I watched a bit of the E3 coverage, I guess, and yeah, the EAMA games looking looking pretty solid. Uh, it got pretty good reviews from uh, people, uh, journalists there on hand. It sounded like, and you know, the thing that uh, I've re- been really impressed with, of course, everyone, you know, it doesn't have the UFC brand in there, so that's going to be a mark against it for a lot of fans. But you know, they talked during like the EA press conference stuff about selling the um, the international flair and style of MMA, and that's actually reflected in the game. They've got uh, multiple arenas you can fight in. Uh, not just cool. arenas, but like rings and stuff like that. So, you know, you have a cage, you have a ring, um, and apparently different rule sets. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. So if that if that actually comes together and works out the way it's, it could, that that would be pretty nifty. I, I want to soccer kick some fools. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, um, and it sounds like it's a much more... Um, Intuitive the the controllers because uh, you know the UFC games are very fun for by THQ but like you got to go through the tutorial to like figure out a bunch of the stuff and it sounds like the EA MMA game is kind of more around the the fight night type thing where the joysticks kind of are, are more uh, you know I don't know that took a little bit of getting used to also fair enough fair enough but uh, it, it sounds like there's more positive response to the the control scheme uh, at least uh, kind of preliminary reports on that. So, so we'll see. And, and we, I think we talked about it on our last podcast, you know, Fedor and Randy on the cover and October uh, release date being official and everything yeah. like that. One thing I think uh, we should note about this show, though, is uh, yeah. Hanato Babalu Sabral beat Robbie Lawler by decision and had earned himself a number one contender slot against uh, King Mo, but turned it down because he wants to fight Dan Henderson. Which uh, I, I want to see a Babalu Dan Henderson fight, but yeah. Um, well, it's actually a rematch. They did yeah. fight long ago, and uh, Dan Henderson won that fight. He wants it back. Yep. Babalu wants it back, which, you know, certainly, again, that'd be, that'd be fun to see because I, I haven't seen their, their first fight. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of weird because I, I guess Babalu and King Mo are trained together or friends, that sort of thing, and... It's come up before with the UFC a lot, and this I think this is the first real, kind of real issue that Strikeforce, like, you know, big issue Strikeforce has had with it. But, yeah, fighters basically turning down a fight, you know, for a belt even. Um, but they're least, buddies, huh? But at least at the same time, it was nice of Bob Lou to propose a different fight. Yeah. You know, it was like, I'm not going to fight my friend, and then, like, cross his arms and, like, stand there and huff and puff at Because he did this during the post, like, you know, in-ring interview, and I think they made mention of it before in some other interviews and that sort of thing. So, um, well, Strikeforce still, has had yeah. some issues with that with the uh, the Caesar Gracie camp, but they just split off into different weight classes. Yeah. I mean, Jake Problem Shields. Solved. Yeah. There's no reason Jake Shields should have been the middleweight champ. He should have been the welterweight champ. Yeah. But then you know there's Jake Shields and Nick Diaz, and they're not going to be fighting each other. So it, it's a similar issue to that. Although um, I don't think Babalu has quite the option to go up in weight necessarily, and you know. I don't think he's going to want to be fighting heavyweight. Right. It, it, it makes be, me wonder if he could make it down to 185. This was at a catchweight at 195. Yeah, that, that'd be uh, interesting to see. I mean, because, yeah, if he wants to fight Dan Henderson, Dan Henderson's been fighting at middleweight, but he can obviously go between both. Uh, maybe they do another catchweight bout or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if Babalu could make, uh, you know, middleweight, that'd be the easiest solution I could see. Well, I would think if they did the Dan Henderson fight, that would probably most likely, I think, be at 205. Yeah. Um, I was suggesting the 185, though, if he wants to make a title run in, in Strike Force, mm-hmm. I see that as the most likely option if he doesn't want to fight King Mo, especially with the uh, the currently vacant title. I mean, they've kind of talked about how they want to have a fight uh, 
forget who exactly it was. It was going to be Jacare against somebody else. It, it basically sounded like if Robbie Lawler won the fight, he would get a title shot perhaps against Jacare. And, oh. now, and now it sounds like they are maybe moving forward on that uh, middleweight um, tournament format thing. Well, you know, if, if Babalu wanted that, I could see him uh, squeezing into 185 if he can do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see because Force just doesn't have the depth of, of the UFC roster. So it's like when they do have issues like this where a fighter doesn't want to fight his friend or training partner or whatever, it just makes the situation that much worse because for a while people are like, well, who's King Mo going to defend his title against anyways? And, you know, yeah, Babalu's a veteran of the sport. It'd certainly, you know, be a somewhat interesting style matchup. Uh, but, no, not going to happen probably. That's that's too bad. Uh, other notable stuff, uh, uh, KJ Noons made his, uh, I guess, Strike Force debut, but he was signed earlier, and you know he'd been in Elite XC and had fought in Dreams since signing with Strike Force. But this is his official Strike Force fight back, and uh, you know, pretty fun to pretty fun to see. He took a split decision over Connor Hewn. Um, kind of, I guess, not shocked that it was a split decision, but I mean, because Connor Hewn was landing, but uh, you could tell just watching the fight, KJ Noons was. Uh, being more effective, he was landing good combos and really working the, his boxing a lot better. Yeah, even though, you know, Conor Heen was throwing some pretty big shots, he wasn't connecting with them as frequently. Uh, Tim Kennedy looked really good against Trevor Prangley, ended up getting a rear naked choke uh, in the first round. And what was really impressive, uh, you know, Trevor Prangley got serious wrestling credentials, uh, kind of hard to take down at times, and Kennedy was able to get him down eventually and, and then just ended up getting the choke. And... Uh, Kennedy looked really good. I think this is the uh, you know show t- or the Strike Force announcers were saying this was his first fight um, with like a full training camp because he's uh, he been is working a, a full time job. Yeah, he he's in the military. Oh, he's a uh, well, good for him. He's pretty hardcore. Yeah, he came out wearing a uh, a Ranger shirt, but I don't think he's a Ranger. I think he's in the Marines. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty hardcore too. Yeah, but uh, no, he's got all kinds of uh, I guess he's a sniper and all that stuff. So mm. pretty pretty hardcore. So that's always. You know, get the uh, maybe he could be in uh, you know some sort of uh, silly MMA promotion like you know soldiers versus like a triathlon you know type <laughs> mixed martial arts event you know well, get the yeah, target yeah, yeah. then go wrestle. And... Well, I was thinking if he ever you know, God forbid, finds himself unemployed with Strike Force, you know, he he'd come up to Alaska and get involved in some sort of cops versus cons MMA event or like you know military versus. Terrorists, yeah. we, MMA we, fights or something. We we have some of those uh, yeah. those circus uh, sideshows here at yeah. the uh, the 49th state, and I've had like people call me and uh, be like, "Oh man, I want to fight my parole officer." You know, <laughs> like they could just call somebody up and just right, make right. that happen. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh well, I, I choose you then. Yeah. I'm a con. You're a cop. Let's yeah. make this happen." <laughs> but but Tim Kennedy seems to have legit potential in MMA and put together a pretty solid. Uh, run so far, so, um, you know, hopefully he'll never have to stoop to such levels and, and can keep up with Strike Force and not have to go into some sort of Sergeant Slaughter gimmick uh, later on in his That's career, or anything like that. Uh, other than that, uh, I think people are pretty surprised that uh, uh, Man San- uh, Cyborg Santos beat uh, Marius Romskis. <laughs> man Cyborg? <laughs> right. Well, I, I think we've talked about this before, yeah. but, like, very rarely do you have the MMA couple where the, uh, the female is the more well-known uh, fighter. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he, Evangelista Santos beat uh, Mario Saramskis. Uh, TKO punches in the first round, and that was a that was a crazy fight. You get back and forth, and Saramskis uh, kind of uh, Andre Arlovski himself went through a, went for an ill-advised uh, flying knee mm. and got punched in the face for it. So it ended his night. But yeah, I mean it was a short and sweet card. And it was uh, fun to watch, well paced. Um, 
maybe it was just me personally. I don't know if I didn't pay well enough attention, but I, you know, Strikeforce gets a lot of grief for their commentary sometimes. You know, with uh, Maru Nalo being yeah, ridiculous sometimes. They kind of suck. Right, right. Uh, I didn't think it was too horrible this time, but maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I wasn't paying too close attention. But um, you know, it was uh, Ronaldo, Steven Quadros, and um, Pat Militich. Oh, which uh, I'll, I'll, if those are my choices with Strikeforce and Showtime, those are the guys I'll take. Like if I, if it had to be, you know, no offense to Frank Shamrock or uh, Gus Johnson, but uh, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna give some offense to Gus Johnson. Do you it. Okay. Suck. <laughs> okay. Gus. Careful, he might email you very angrily. Oh, I'm not afraid. Okay. As a matter of fact, please do. We need to press. <laughs> He'll do it. Don't tempt him. Yeah. But um, no, like Pat Militich definitely knows knows what he's talking about. He, he knows can, a thing or two. Right, and uh, you know he can kind of you know rein in it seems Marlon Ronaldo a little bit. I don't know. They, they just seem to work better together. Whereas, you know, that's if you're going to have a three-man booth, then it has to be, you know, those are the guys you're given. You know, I'd take those, you know, Quadros, Ronaldo, and uh, Militich. So not not a horrible night of uh, fights for... Uh, it makes me wonder if Mr. Cyborg is maybe lining himself up for a title shot. Um, Zarumkis is coming off, I think, a loss to uh, Nick, Nick Diaz. Diaz yeah, which is bad. I mean, title. Yeah, his U.S. his U.S. debut uh, drops to Nick Diaz and then, you know, loses another one. And he was, he was pretty well hyped coming out of... Uh, I think he was fighting in Dream, I believe. Yeah, he won so. a tournament, I think. Yeah, so he, he he had some hype behind him, but uh, too bad. And you know, Nick Diaz, pretty pretty well respected fighter, and uh, you know, Cyborg, not a not a bad fighter at all. So you know, see where Zaromskis goes from here. But yeah, I mean, I would gotta th- have to think that um, you know, with uh, I think this is Cyborg just dropped down a weight class too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, because I believe he was fighting at, at fighting at middleweight before, I believe. So, um, yeah, we'll see where this this takes them. And again, with Strikeforce just not having a lot of depth, you know, a couple solid wins, impressive wins over some notable guys will get you a title shot pretty fast. So that, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, the best image though was uh, his wife picking him up and carrying him around after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. so strong. She is. She's so strong and affectionate. Yes. Um, speaking of Strikeforce. You know, I was talking to you, you before the show, Matt. I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a Strike Force card this weekend too." There's oh, just, there's just a lot of MMA. It's crazy. It's good, good for fans. Almost too much again. Almost too much. Almost too so much. So what do they got coming up this weekend? Fedor's fighting. Right? Oh, damn! No yeah. How do I forget about that one? Not, not a challengers card or any of this stuff. No, Fedor, number one heavyweight in the world, and the real cyborg yeah. is fighting too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, this is going to be, it's, uh, you know, Fedor fighting, you think it would be on CBS, but there's, you know, well-documented kind of issues between yeah. Strikeforce and M1, and his fight was delayed from the CBS card. Push back to this on Showtime, <sighs> but it's still cheap or slash free for you, so uh, can't can't complain too much. But, yeah, Fedor taking on Fabricio Verdum, who is a, a top ten heavyweight, but on the lower end of the top ten scale. Yeah. So plenty of people will complain about this, I'm sure. I'm not excited about the fight, really. You yeah, know. Uh, yeah. Let's just. I'm taking Fedor. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Good yeah. call. Um, I don't see this fight ever hitting the ground. Um, I think Fedor is going to win by standing knockout pretty early. Um, Verdum has okay stand-up and is excellent on the ground. And unless Fedor just wants to test himself, which he does kind of do that sometimes. He likes to play to his opponent's strength. Um, I mean, he took Noguera down and beat him up in the ground, and he. Chased uh, Krokop around the cage and, or the, around the ring and all that stuff, but I, I see no reason why he's going to want to dive into uh, into Verdum's guard. And also, just Verdum does not have the chin that Noguera had. 
Right. So, I mean, I just I don't see how it plays well for him at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I got to say, Strikeforce has been doing their best to uh, sell Verdum as like the uh, the jujitsu ace prodigy guy who's like, if he gets Fedor down, Fedor could be in trouble, which is the only way you can sell this fight. So uh, I agree. And it's not that I don't want to see the fight. I just don't think that Verdum ha- has a shot. But I mean, they did an interview with him on on the Showtime their their Strikeforce card last week, and you know he he did a pretty good job selling himself that sort of thing. But again, it's just yeah. I, I, Fedor's number one for a reason. I'm going to pick him against every heavyweight, I guess, is, you know, makes enough sense there. You know? Yeah, but, I mean, even within that, Verdum is not the kind of guy who seems like a huge challenge. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's several fighters out there that we would like to see Fedor fight more because right. while you may want to favor Fedor because he's, you know, 30-0 and 0 or whatever it is, yeah. um, you know, at least the other guy looks like they may be able to do something. Guys like... Alistair Overeem, Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin, even Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos, guys like these, at least, you know, they're not going to be the favorite. They're going to be the underdog, but at least they look like they've got a shot. Right. They offer some interesting stuff. Like, a lot of those guys you mentioned, of course, got, like, legit wrestling, which, you know, like, have we seen a lot of Fedor being put down by wrestler, being held down, you know, off of his back? Particularly against guys with uh, any kind of submission defense. Right, yeah, and especially wrestlers who... Punch very, very hard, which Shane Carwin, Brock Lesnar, Cain uh, Velasquez, clearly in that camp. So, uh, of, of course, I mean, a lot of the complaints against Fedor is like he should be fighting UFC guys. And, of course, everyone wants to see that. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't think many people are giving Verdum a shot here, and uh, I, I don't blame them. But, um, you know, he's I, – I guess I guess that's kind of it, you know, because, like, when this fight was announced, everyone was kind of like, oh, Verdum, huh? But, I mean, Verdum is a legit heavyweight, but, again, he's just not, like, that upper echelon of in the top ten, and he's not – Yeah, not, I mean – He's he, not a Brock Lesnar. He's not an Alistar Overeem at this point. So people people are just naturally going to be disappointed. Um, he's good, but yeah. he's not great. I mean, he's coming off, like, what, a one-fight win streak? Uh, Two-fight, uh, Mike Kyle and Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Okay. So, yeah. Forgot about that Mike Kyle one. That's a big win right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But, uh, yeah, his last loss was to Junior Dos Santos, last fight in the UFC, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he's been one of those kind of on-and-off fighters just looking at his record over the past few years, you know. Oh, we got to remember, he's got history with the Emelianenko family, though. He did beat Ale- Alexander Emelianenko back in uh, 06. Can have some bad blood. Yeah. Is that a joke about Alexander Emelianenko's blood? No. <laughs> Does he have an issue with his blood? <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't get certified to fight in the U.S. because of potential. Yeah, we'll move on. Yes. Yes, no, go on. Yeah, I want to hear this now. <laughs> this has got more interesting. What happened? Does he have some sort of like uh, blood thing? You know, that's the that's the rumor. Yeah, I gotta I gotta look it up so I don't like misdiagnose uh, his uh, <laughs> ailment. But um, I believe I want to say hepatitis. Oh, which is that's the sentence you never think is gonna come out of your mouth. I want to say hepatitis, I but, say uh, hepatitis <laughs> but it could be. Yeah, uh, but I, I believe, you know, he, he hasn't been able to get licensed in the, uh, for fights here in, uh, the U.S. because of, you know, medical issues. And, um, yeah, I believe, uh, Bloody Elbow in the past reported that, yeah, uh, hepatitis B, uh, mm-hmm. was kind of the rumor going around. And I don't know if there's ever been, like, any kind of official announcement, that sort of thing. But, yeah, no, he's got, a. Come on, he's got problems. He's got problems, which would he's make He's got one... special blood. Right. Maybe Keith Kaiser would license, license him, though. hey Oh, oh man. Clearly, Whoa. Clearly Keith Kaiser's fault. But... <laughs> no, uh, 
So yeah, some uh, as you mentioned, some some potential bad blood between the two, but uh, it, it doesn't sound from like. Well, first of all, Fedor never like gets overly like. He's a very stoic person. Yeah, he, he never gets much he, of anything. Yeah, he doesn't emote against <laughs> the thing. So I, I think he's he's talked a little bit as like, yeah, it's not really gonna affect the fight or anything like that. But uh, just an interesting kind of footnote, I guess, more than anything else. But yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, as we mentioned. Um, uh, Verdum's got a, you know, wins over, mentions last win over Antonio Silva. But, you know, Brendan Vera, Gabriel Gonzaga in the UFC. So, uh, you know, lost Arlovsky when Arlovsky was considered, you know, to be pretty good. Um, so, yeah, it, and I certainly don't want to buy into the hype at all and take in Fedor in this fight, you know, uh, KO, TKO uh, as early as round one. But, uh, you know, it, it is interesting to see if Verdum for some reason does get Fedor down, what can he do? You know he's got good jujitsu, but we've seen we've seen Fedor against guys who've got good ground games. So I don't know. What well, else is on the way? Well, uh, as Greg mentioned, the real cyborg, uh, Christian Cyborg Santos, taking on Jan Finney to defend the uh, the women's uh, 145 belt. Woohoo! Which um, this is another one of those fights. It's a depth issue, not with strike force, just with women's MMA in general. You know, once you get past a couple, you know, one or two fighters, there's not a lot of like you know really stand out. Contenders. So when Jan Finney was announced, everyone was like, "Her? Really?" <laughs> it was kind of a uh, kind of odd because Jan Finney's not a. Uh, I, I guess it's just a case of looking at the record, and you're like, "Really? She's uh, eight and seven. Ooh, but she's on a pretty decent streak. Isn't exactly. She? That's the her last loss was to Aaron Tohill back in uh, 2008, and since then she's uh, rattled off four wins in a row. Um, but it's maybe it's a bit of MMA math as well. But you know who she beat versus who she lost to. You know she's taken losses to Julie Kedzie, Shayna Baszler, Misha Tate, as I mentioned, Aaron Tohill all in the past. Our last win was over uh, Adriana Jenkins uh, earlier this year. So it's just kind of one of those things you're like, really? Like she hasn't had a fight in strike force before. But uh, not, again, I don't like that's a huge thing. But you know it really seems like strike force was kind of. Uh, had to look pretty hard to find someone to fight uh, Cyborg. And it's certainly not to take away anything from Jan Finney. Um, it's just one of those, you know, you, you see it and you're like, huh, that's that's weird. You know, maybe they'd give her a fight or two in the organization first to see see how she does, how, how she fares. Her first time in the organization, huh? Yeah. And I believe she's fighting up a weight class, too. I think she normally fights at 135. So mm, This spells doom for her. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, I don't know what, and, and I haven't seen a lot of, seen Jan Finney much fighting-wise, so I, I can't speak specifically to what she has to offer, but I I can't imagine with who's Cyborg's fought in the past, whether it be someone who's got, you know, pretty pretty good power in her striking, like Gina Carano, or someone with a, a good ground game like um, Marlos Kunin, you know, Cyborg's been able to do her thing against those, those fighters, so um, I, I don't think she's going to have a problem with Jan Finney here. I'll, t- I'll take her a TKO, KO round two. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. I'll go for second half, first round. Okay. Closest without going over? <laughs> Price is right rules? This is what we're doing? You going to bet some of your beer money? Ah, I'm kind of running low on that already. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> really went through that pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a man who's prone to celebrate. You, you win one stand-up comedy contest, and you already blow it by the weekend's end. Huh? <laughs> I'm a real comic. <laughs> I'm so funny. Yeah. Uh, other things on this card, I mean, pretty solid fights on here. Um, Scott Smith, Kung Lee, the rematch 
which uh, normally you would question given a rematch that didn't end controversially. There wasn't a draw. There wasn't any, like, wonky, uh, you know, ref decision or weird judging. It was just that Kung Lee was beating the bejesus out of Scott Smith mm-hmm. for the majority of their fight until, I believe it was the third round. Oh, it was the third round. It was like the second half of the third round. Yeah, I'm looking up the uh, the official time here. Uh, but uh, it was one of those things where Kung Lee was throwing all kind of, you know, all of his crazy kicks and just being able to land at Scott, on Scott Smith kind of at will. Um, yeah, it was uh, yeah 325 of the third round uh, until Scott Smith landed a, a pretty brutal combination that ended up, I don't know if it officially, it, it broke Kung Lee's nose. Yeah, it broke it. I'm like, I'm, I'm no doctor, but uh, when your nose is going a different direction than when it, you started your fight with, uh, it's probably broken. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it put put Kung Lee out with K- KO punches in the in the third round, and it was just crazy because yeah, Kung Lee had really been doing his thing the entire fight, and of course Frank Shamrock was there, and uh, commentator was like, well, those kicks look cool, but they don't really hurt. Yeah, uh, they did break my arm though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, I think, you, I think your arm got broken by one of those kicks that don't hurt, but you know, whatever, it's fine, it's fine, Frank Shamrock, mm-hmm. not a problem. Um, but but I think just in that manner, where, you know, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about the rematch right away, you know, but just considering the way that fight had been going, I, yeah. I'm not opposed to seeing a rematch at some point. Uh, I guess my only issue here is like uh, immediately. I'm um, cool with the rematch because yeah. the fight was awesome. Yeah, it was it was great to watch because you got to see uh, fans of Kung Lee got to see his crazy, you know, spinning back, flying backflip kicks and whatever the crap yeah. he does. And, and and fans of Scott Smith got to see Scott Smith do what he does. Yeah, this is get his ass kicked for 12 minutes and then knock the guy out. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's uh, he totally Scott Smith Kung Lee. It was great. So I don't know if we'll see that again. Oh, predicting Scott Smith's fights are so like you don't even. Pointless. Like, I don't pretend to have, like, a huge amount of insider encyclopedic knowledge about, like, you know, MMA in general. But, like, I, I like to think I know a little bit about, you know, I'm sitting around with my friends. I can kind of, like, inform them, like, oh, this guy fights, like, this way, and he'll probably, you know, try and do this and this and this. Scott Smith, like, trying to, like, analyze, like, <laughs> does he plan to get beat up? And then just, like, I'm just going to punch him in the face and win. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I can't imagine that's your plan. Um and based on the way their first fight, I mean, Kung Lee really put it on him. But, you know, Scott Smith was able to come back. I can't imagine he, the fight's going to do the same thing. Actually, no, you know what? Uh, no, Scott Smith's going to win the exact same way. Yeah. My prediction is Scott Smith by third round TKO or Kung Lee by decision. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Kung Lee takes it first round. <laughs> Scott Smith, steel chair. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, That's it, when the Legion of Doom comes out. Yeah. I, I, oh, I'm... It's too bad we haven't like done more predictions for Scott Smith fights because it'd be really fun to go like go back in the archives or something like that. Or well, I think he's know. only fought once since we've been doing right, this. Right, exactly. But like if you know, it'd be it'd be fun to go around like the the internet and find podcasts before Scott Smith fights and see yeah. what people predict. Because I'd like be like, uh, yeah, Scott Smith is going to get gut kicked, almost fall over dead, <laughs> but then knock Pete Sell out. <laughs> like I just want to I just want to kind of get an idea of what people th- how people think Scott Smith fights, and then like just like over the years how that's evolved. You know, if people even bother trying to predict these fights anymore. Because it's so fun to watch, and I'm not trying to make fun of Scott Smith at all. He's, yeah, you're awesome, Scott. Yeah, yeah. good job, buddy. I, those, he has the most dramatic come-from-behind victories. It's just one of the things you're like, is he planning this? Is this good for his long-term health? That sort of thing. I mean, <laughs> Scott Smith does what Scott Smith has got to do. Right. Well, it, it's kind of like shades of uh, Robbie Lawler's post-fight interview after losing to Babalu. Like, I, I, he basically says, like, I was waiting to land that one big punch. Which is okay, I guess, if you're known to be a heavy-handed striker. But like, if that's your game plan, <laughs> what did you? What, 
what were you training for? Right, you know, I mean, just one punches, you know. You're, you're basically you're banking on a quote unquote lucky shot, um, but again, of course, these guys, you know, they do. They punch well, so it's not yeah. necessarily luck. But I mean, if you're just waiting to hit, hit that one thing and you don't have anything else, what, well, what are you doing? But yeah, uh, and if you you throw enough punches over 15 minutes, the yeah. uh, the odds of getting that one lucky punch eventually yeah. get better and better. Gotta have some time, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so uh, Scott Smith or Kung Lee, one of those guys will win. Excellent, I like that. Or uh, like Rocky, those odds. Rocky double knockout. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Or a uh, Jamie Varner draw. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness gracious. Uh, the other other fight on the card uh, that kind of stands out: Josh, Tom- Josh Thompson taking on Pat Healy, and I think this is a bounce back fight for Thompson, uh, coming off I think his last fight was the loss to Gilbert Melendez for the uh, yeah lightweight title. lightweight title, yeah, um, yeah. So it's been um, I guess in December since he last fought, so that's not like a huge layoff, but I mean it's like a half year. It's kind of mm. kind of lengthy, and um, it was a long fight. Yeah, but uh, he, he he's kind of been. I wouldn't say prone injury, but he's had injuries in the past, so I don't know. Um, yeah, he had the foot injury, which really, I mean, they were waiting for that rematch for like a year and a half. Yeah, it's true. Um, and he's fighting Pat Healy, and I don't know a lot about Pat Healy, i got to admit. But, um, I don't know, Josh Thompson is another one of those guys, you know, uh, it's it's hard for me to just be like, to pick him straight up or to be able to really kind of break down his fight. His, his fighting uh, method, I mean, because he definitely goes out there and, you know, anyone who's seen his fights with Gilbert Melendez, uh, you know, he he's a fan of standing and trading for sure. He likes to throw down definitely. And he's really aggressive on the ground, too. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, you know, is on the ground, he, he's always scrambling, always trying to get better position, always trying to go for a submission when he can see one. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. I like, yeah. to, I like to see him fight. Yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah, he's very fun to watch. It's just, it goes back to the, like, how how successfully can he do that? And um, you know he's taking on uh, like we said Pat Pat Healy Pat Healy rather Healy. What is? Yeah. I, I'm in World Wait. Cup mode, so I'm like uh, adding a little flair. To the, <laughs> <laughs> adding adding a little bit of flair to, to vowels and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, looking at Healy, his last win was on a Strikeforce Challengers card. Um, you know, was it really just last month? Man, wow, you'd re- you'd really think I would remember this fight because I'm pretty sure I watched that card uh, versus Brian Travers uh, taking a unanimous decision. Maybe what? Maybe it was a prelim. Yeah, now I gotta I gotta pull up that Strikeforce Challengers card. I'm like, you think I'd remember the Pat Healy fight? Yeah, meh, you were passing yeah. out. <laughs> Whatever. Drunk. I was probably so overwhelmed that uh, Spencer Pratt would be cornering uh, <laughs> Kevin Casey. I was like, oh, when's Spencer Pratt going to show up? That sure was a sweet rap video. (laughs) I totally spaced out on Pat Healy. But, um, no, I mean, he's he's coming on a three-fight win streak. But, uh, again, not having seen a lot of them, despite having seen him fight recently. Um, I don't know. I I do favor Josh Thompson, like you mentioned, Greg. He's he's very fun to watch, very aggressive, um, very active, whether he's, you know, uh, standing and trading or, you know, taking it to the ground, that sort of thing. And, you know. Again, my my most recent memory of Josh Thompson is Thompson is, you know, taking a loss to Gilbert Melendez, but uh, he cer- certainly um, you know was in that fight. And you know, the, I, we talk about it all the time with the lighter weight classes, but just like the gas tank that these guys have, and it, he, you know, he lost that fight. You know, clearly lost the fight, but you know, stayed in it. Wasn't like getting beat horrendously. Yeah, he was in it a lot open. more than Shinya Aoki was. Most definitely, where it, it wasn't a five round sustained beating. You know, it was it was an exciting fight, back and forth war. Um, 
But yeah, no, I, I favor Josh, Tom, Josh uh, Thompson in this fight. I would think so too. Yeah. Um, unless I mean I don't I'm not really very familiar with Healy, so I mean he he might surprise us, but right. Yeah. Uh, that that is kind of uh, it's cliche at this point, but that's the fun of MMA. You know, the whole anything can happen thing. Uh, you know, is this going to be you know is this going to be the guy Pat Healy makes his name off of, or is this the rebound fight for Thompson? So, um, the other than that, uh, there was one other uh, at least looking at the fight card, one other uh, scheduled fight regarding a. Uh, and I'm not even going to say his name because first of all, it's really hard to say, and second of all, I just saw on Bloody Elbow earlier that it sounds like he's been taken off the card, but it was one of the M1 fighters. Oh. Um, Sounds like he had some sort of visa issue. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Bloody Elbow linked directly to M1Global.com, so straight from the horse's mouth. Um, welterweight. Uh, I'm just going to try it once. Magomed Shikshabakova. <laughs> yeah, we're doing <laughs> just fine. Shikshabakova. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Oof. Yeah, it's a pretty wild last name. Yeah. Um, Shik. <laughs> But he was going to fight, uh, make a strike force debut, fight at welterweight. Um, but apparently he had some visa issues, mm. so he could not, he's not going to be able to get to the June 26th card. Uh, and as of the day we're recording this, uh, no replacement announced um, there. So uh, he was going to fight uh, Ron Kessler. But, um, yeah. They weren't going to show us that fight anyway. We were going to see that. I think M1 just wanted one of their guys on the card. So Yeah, well, that's usually, I think, part of the deal of getting Fedor. Yeah. Is you got to hire some of the other guys, which is fine, I guess. I mean, these companies are in the business of hiring people. Of all the demands that M1 makes, I think that's one of the one of the easier ones to get along with. Right. It would definitely be more more appealing, I would think, if M1 had more fighters than, than Fedor. I mean, obviously, they, they have more fighters, but, like, it's Fedor and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, they had Gayhard Musasi, yeah. but he left. Yep, he, he got out. So it'd be interesting to see. And this, so this, of course, with Fedor being in the main event, or Fedor being on the card and all, at M1 and Strike Force present. Yeah, great. Fedor Damn that M1. Good. But, yeah, no, the, the, I'm, I'm excited for this card again. We talked about kind of the disappointment for, you know, we got two titles. We don't have two title defenses. I was like, we got two title yeah. defenses. What guess are you f- talking about? Fedor's defending his whamma belt, right? Hmm. That Donald <laughs> Trump gave him or whatever. When the affliction was still together? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's not defending the belt. Um, I just kind of assume, hey, number one heavyweight in the world in Strike Force, he's their champ, right? No. He's defending Russia's honor. <laughs> he's defending Russia's honor, something like that. His brother's honor, something. So, um, but yeah, two two big name fights with you know uh, Fedor defending against. Uh, I did it again. Fedor fighting Verdum. <laughs> I guess defending his win streak at this point, or his his uh, his emperorship. Yeah. His, uh, his crown. He his can legacy. take that up with King Mo. His legacy, yeah. <laughs> He's defending his legacy against Verdum. Right. And then uh, Cyborg uh, taking on Jan Finney, where it's, you know, two fighters I want to see fight versus two fighters that I'm kind of uh, not not cold to, but just kind of like uh, eh, a little, I guess, ambivalent. Yeah, it's not so much that they suck, but what are they doing in this fight? Right, yeah, it's just kind of like, well, what can they do? What do they have to offer? There, there's nothing like, oh, you know, Jan Finney can really do this to Cyborg. You know, that, that's an interesting matchup. Or like, oh, Verdum can do this. And sure, Verdum could do something to Fedor on the ground, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So. I would be surprised yeah. greatly but again, if you get Fedor to, lost that yeah. fight. You get, you get to see some very quality fighters uh, on the card, and uh, I'm sure... Next week we'll be complaining about how we didn't get to see prelims and how the announcing was horrible, but uh, we do get to see Fedor fight. We do get to see uh, 
Chris Cyborg fight, and uh, we get to see Scott Smith try and Scott Smith Kung Lee again. So I bet he will. Yeah, and uh, fingers crossed, Josh, Josh Thompson will not be uh, any more injuries, and he'll be able to uh, put on another exciting fight, win or lose. Well, a lot of good things to look forward to. Parting <laughs> thoughts? Are there, well, there any uh, other shows coming up? God, I hope not. I mean... I like MMA, but like I'm, I'm talked out. Clearly, I think I talked myself out like 30 minutes ago. Honestly, um, you know, I don't think this weekend, as far as big cards go, I, fingers crossed, that's it. You know, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, other than the, and we already talked about the uh, the stuff with the monitors and with the, you know. I think we got it covered today. Yeah. Well, oh, do you guys want me to tell you about Bellator? No, I don't care about Bellator. Ben Askren's really good at takedowns. That's what I hear. Done and done. But I don't care. Yeah. I but know, there is the uh, the rumor mill about uh, Strike Force potentially signing Dave Batista oh, of gracious, WWF yeah. or WWE fame. Yeah. Which uh, you know, like that's cool, I guess. Another pro wrestler uh, making the jump over. Uh, his potential doesn't seem to be as high as Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and I have to plead ignorance to, like, uh, Batista's background. But as far as I know, he doesn't have, like, legit wrestling, collegiate wrestling credentials that a Brock Lesnar, you know, a Bobby Lashley has. Um, so. I, don't, I hope, it, I mean, you know, let's see if it starts to be a trend. I mean, he was a pretty big name over in WWE for several years. Yeah, and the paydays and for I mean pro wrestling. If you're if you're a big name in pro wrestling, your paydays are going to be way better than like being the new guy in MMA. Maybe they're just getting worse these days, though. I don't know. Like I, I honestly have been so far removed from professional uh, fake wrestling yeah. now that I you know mm-hmm. don't really have a good idea of where they stand. Like maybe nowadays they're getting paid less than ever. Well, maybe, maybe sick of being a. Part of a sanitized, cleaned-up, kitty version of pro wrestling, right? Well, Maybe. there's also something to be said for the fact that those guys are on the road five days a week. Um, yeah, the schedule's deadly. Literally. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's harder than mixed martial arts, because in mixed martial arts, you know, you're training all the time. But at least, you know, you can live where you're training as opposed to just being on the road constantly. And, uh, you know, in, in the pro wrestling circuit, you've got more of the... Uh, the pressure to uh, keep your body in a uh, a physical condition that's probably that not looks good. Yeah, it's not necessarily good for your body to be in all the time. Um, I mean, they're basically bodybuilders who are also being athletes. So, I mean, that's why you have these guys dropping like flies all the time because they're having to put all kinds of chemicals in their body to maintain such a thing. So, you know, maybe guys are uh, looking at longevity of their life and uh, trying to get out while they can. Yeah. Yeah, I like how, uh, you know, going from uh, participating in a, a legit combat sport is actually like a healthy alternative to the life of pro wrestling. It's just kind of a sad statement on pro wrestling. But, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, pro wrestling is a pretty sad business, you know, overall. Yeah. Um, so uh, according to the Internet's, Wikipedia. Tell us, um, Wiki. Do you guys think Batista's background as a lifeguard and a bodybuilder might uh, come in handy? He was also a bouncer. Lifeguard, mm-hmm. yes. Bouncer, maybe. Um, and then the other thing now. Bodybuilder. Bodybuilder. Well, you know, uh, that Not gonna help. Marius 
Pudenzowski or whatever that guy, yeah, yeah, the guy yeah. who just got his ass handed to him by Tim Sylvia, yep. did okay in his first two fights. Hmm. So, uh, you know, let's see who they match him up against. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to, I think there's been some interviews with Batista and he's, you know. He, he doesn't want to fight Fedor. Probably a good decision. <laughs> you know, people who've been in MMA for a long time don't want to fight Fedor necessarily. So, so I, I think we may be a little bit far removed still from the pro wrestling circuit, but who do we want to see? You know, who who do you who would you like to see come from the professional uh, fake circuit into mixed martial arts? You uh, know, if it, it was ten years ago, I'd love to see Kurt Angle, but right. and he keeps talking about it, and everyone's like, yeah, that would have been cool ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> You're, he, he's old. He's got all kinds of neck problems. Uh, Shelton Benjamin is he still a wrestler? He he was he was actually like a legit coll- collegiate wrestler, wasn't yeah. he? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can't name many Steve more. Steve Blackman. <laughs> Steve Blackman, <laughs> nice one. Um, yeah, it, I couldn't name specific wrestlers without adding myself as you know someone who You're knows old. knows current wrestlers. But um, anyone who has like legit. Collegiate wrestling. Well, that's no fun for this up. hypothetical. Okay. How about the Undertaker? There yeah. you go. <laughs> he wears MMA gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and he can choke slam, uh, yeah. you know, Brock Lesnar. I want to see Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> get on uh, in the middle uh, of the octagon. Yeah, that's I not going to happen. The, I heard one of the wrestling divas trains with a Gracie, but um, I don't know. It's probably one of the Gracies to sell DVDs at 3 in the morning, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I, couldn't, I can't put a serious thought to this question. I thought about it for a second. Can't do it. Uh, no, refuse. Can't do it. I'm just going to go Chris Jericho. That would be interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of the guys who trained in uh, in Canada uh, with, with the Hart family, those mm-hmm. guys are all about submissions and stuff. Whether or not they would, you know, be able to take a punch or even land a punch is probably another story, but... They're at least known for being uh, pretty good at, you know, slapping on submissions in a uh, a situation where somebody's not necessarily allowing them to. Yep. I know that Chris Jericho hurt Bill Goldberg pretty badly in one of his first matches in the WWE. But nobody can beat Goldberg. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bill Goldberg doesn't like cockfighting. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, again, this is uh, the day of the recording. Uh, there was a... A report from TMZ that Batista had already signed with Strike Force. Um, well, Batista said that he was. He told TMZ right. cameras. And, and then uh, I guess uh, a couple, you know, MMA journalists got on the ball and were like, uh, Strike Force, did you guys sign Batista? No. No. Yeah. So not yet as of, uh, you know, uh, June 21st. Well, to be fair, during the, uh, the TMZ interview with Batista, Batista was, in fact, drunk. Yeah. So... <laughs> maybe he was just jumping the gun on that one. Or maybe loose lips, man. Who knows? Um, and certainly, I'm sure we could join in with many people in the MMA community and just be like outraged about like pro wrestlers coming over to mixed martial arts and making the sport look silly and stuff. But like, I, I, maybe I'm trying to keep my blood pressure low. I can't do it. But uh, you know, if, if he's got any legit potential in MMA, we'll see that. And if he doesn't, he'll get beat up badly. Yes, he doesn't. You know, there's like some you know schools where 
you know, people were were getting upset about the fat guys coming back in, and you know what? It seems to be working. You yeah. know, if they're winning matches, if you know, who is complaining about thing? the fat guys? Oh no, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> me. You're one of those self-hating types. Absolutely. Okay. I got you. If I can't, they yeah. shouldn't. I, I, I guess the complaint that, or the thing that we could be worried about, is a guy who has name value from a different career path, and we've seen it before with Strike Force and other organizations. To be fair, uh, even the UFC. You know, signing guys who have big names and potential upshot, and then putting them in a position that uh, guys who have been in the sport for much longer don't don't get. You know? Well, show business, it's not fair. The only thing that really bothers me and this is a sport, is, right? Uh, not so much. It, well, it's a sport, but it's not like a, a sport where you got a, 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 sport, a season. It's a sport, and it's a sport meant to make money, and well, all sports meant to make money, but like sell pay per views, that sort of thing. Yeah, like move move big viewerships. Yeah. The only thing that really bothers me is uh, stuff like the elite XC treatment of Kimbo Slice, right. where you take a guy who is clearly not a contender, and you put just all your marketing, all your hype mm-hmm. behind him. Uh, nothing wrong with Kimbo, the guy, or even as the fighter. You know, he's entertaining as hell now. Yeah. I mean, his last couple of fights were uh, pretty interesting. I, I like his slams. Kimbo slams. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's clearly not an elite fighter. He's not near the top. And uh, to put all your marketing behind him is just its a bit disingenuous. Yeah, and... Even beyond that, I mean, they gave him a main event slot, which I think... So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, even marketing guys... Certainly, I, I would expect that if, like, you know, say a, a Batiste, Dave Batista does get signed to Strike Force or any other promotion, I would expect, like, oh, you know, like, former pro wrestler, blah, 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 and, like, show, you know, really promote the hell out of him, but don't put him in the main event, yeah, at well, least. And don't say he's the best fighter in the world. Right. Which is really yeah. where the issue is. Maybe... Um, oh, I got it. He can fight Tank Abbott. Oh. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. Get Tank Abbott out of the bar and out of that bucket <laughs> of chicken wings he's been working on for the past ten years. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be the go-to guy, right? Hey, he's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's entertaining. Maybe you can fight Seth Petruzzelli next. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, uh, Bobby Lashley versus Dave Bautista would have to be a match they'd want to consider. Oh yeah, at, at some point. But um, two I'd... former pro wrestling champions yeah. going at it. Yeah, in a real fight, which will not be nearly as fun to watch. <laughs> no one's gonna get power bombed. It, it would hey, be funny if you we, would think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he sprawls that takedown of Lashley's. And... Obviously, you know, Bobby Lashley can fight, but yeah. what if we had never seen him before? And it's like, finally, these two pro wrestlers in a real fight, and they just start slapping <laughs> each other. Because <laughs> they never got that skill set. Yeah. Uh, I'm making a prediction right now, and I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I'd say some point, because we... we I don't know if we talked about it here, but you know, it's been rumored before that Jim Ross, WWE announcer, he's he's clearly interested in MMA. He has a, you, anyone's ever read his blog or anything like that knows his interest in MMA. He's got a blog. He's got a blog at Jr's Barbecue Sauce website, which oh, apparently is pretty tasty. Yeah, but he he's been pitching that stuff for years. <laughs> oh, it, it's good. I hear. I hear it's very good. But he's got an interest in MMA, and he's talked about you know he'd love to to do commentary for MMA. So I'm going to call it uh, sometime within the next several years we will see two former WWE or professional wrestlers Mm -hmm. squaring off in an MMA cage and the match will be announced by a former WWE announcer, Jim Ross. Hopefully Taz. Oh, oh. Jim Ross, right. Yeah. Taz is busy in the strike force of wrestling right now, actually. He's over at TNA. 
Mm, is he wrestling again? Is this the part where I mentioned that I, I know too much about no, pro wrestling? No, it's fine. Is he wrestling or is he no, announcing? No, commentary. All right, cool. No. Uh, he, I always I like him. I don't think he can legit wrestle anymore for fear of his head falling off. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, has he had a lot of concussions or something? Uh, I think a lot of neck problems, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. guess All that right. towel wasn't adequate protection. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's uh, we just like shot our wad on uh, pro wrestling references for the next month. <laughs> All over your ears, through the internet. <laughs> All right, excellent. Don't choke on it. Oh! <laughs> All right, thanks so much for listening to the audio show. Download us on iTunes. Leave a comment. Visit us on Facebook and Twitter. Audio choke at uh, Facebook and Twitter.com. Until next time. I'm Greg Rollhead. I'm Topin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. <laughs> <laughs> ah! And on a high note. Literally! That was an odd voice. That was not something I was expecting to do. Yeah, Greg was doing pro wrestling, and I was just perplexed, and then you went with... uh, Something completely weird. Like gold dust, or... (laughs) Paul Bear. I'm not a girl. I did see. Apparently, Randy Couture has been uh, training with uh, Brock Lesnar, or Brock Lesnar has been training with Randy. Yeah. That was and kinda... Steven Seagal was was training Anderson <laughs> Silva. That oh, was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Since we're still rolling, we should. Uh, like, I think that's just ind- indicative that like Anderson was like, yeah, I'm gonna beat Chael Sonnen, so I'm just gonna hang out with Steven Seagal for a few days. <laughs> I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Under Siege too. Yeah. Like, are, are they selling it as, like, he's legit, like, learning stuff from Steven Seagal, or... Sure hope not. <laughs> How to be a lawman. I mean, maybe they're doing that for tax purposes. Like, oh, if we say we're training with Steven Seagal, we can hang out with him. <laughs>